Hello, and welcome back to Systematically, your weekly theology podcast. I'm John Heaps, talking to you from sunny Austin, Texas. I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Hemmer. Morning, Ryan. Hey, John. Um, It's just the two of us today. Ryan is traveling. Robin is under the weather, which uh, we'll do a little catch up here in a little bit, and you'll discover that's a theme. Um, We're back. This is our... uh, Let's put it this way. This is our new season of Systematically. I wouldn't call it the second season because I don't know if we're going to divide them up into uh, enumerated seasons. Uh, I don't even know if it's the next season, but it's, uh, you know, it's the new one. We're, we're getting going again after a hiatus for Christmas and the new year and such. Feels good to be back. Um, I've got some updates for you. We're going to uh, not fundamentally change the format of the shows themselves, but uh, we've been chatting and brainstorming a little bit about what we're going to do uh, through the next couple months, next few months. So I wanted to get everybody on the same page. So one of the things I mentioned in the year-end Merry Christmas holiday greeting episode, a uh, short episode we put out right before our hiatus, was that we want to have some more guests. Um, so we're, we're working on lining people up. There's a few people we talked to in the fall that uh, it fell through with that we're trying to reschedule. So um, we're going to have some, some people on. We've got some friends with books coming out. We want them to come on and be able to talk about them on the show. Uh, in between, though, and this is an idea I had uh, this week, and, and I think people are on board, is I think we're going to go through some of Lonergan's essays. Um, we've talked in general about, in general about Lonergan's project, Lonergan's approach to things. We're all kind of broadly in that world. Um, but there's, there's, you know, if you go into the collected works of Lonergan, there's a collection, there's a second collection and there's third collection. And then there's a few other volumes that have collected essays in them. Uh, we're going to pick ones we like, and we're going to, when we don't have a guest, kind of tell you what generally they're about, discuss some of the themes or interesting questions or topics that arise in them, and, uh, and hopefully give you some, some cause to go check it out for yourself. A lot of these essays are um, dense and in some ways terse, so maybe our conversation can frame them in a way that you can, can fruitfully engage with them. Um, so we'll see how that goes. We're going to talk about an essay in third collection today called The Dialectic of Authority, which is a, a, new, a sort of newer favorite of mine. Uh, what else? Uh, just this last week, I did what I've been threatening, threatening to do for some time, which is I set up a Patreon. Patreon.com slash systematically is where you can find that. We only have one tier right now. It's nothing fancy. Um, if you can sign up to automatically donate just a dollar, if you have the means and the inclination to donate more, that would be really incredible. But for now, if, uh, if a handful of you would be willing to donate a dollar a month, we have um, some technology overhead costs just for hosting things, um, for running the video conferencing we do. Uh, we've just got some s- subscriptions that, that are... Uh, you know, coming out of coming out of our bank accounts right now, um, and it would be more sustainable for us to be able to do this uh, in terms of those costs if uh, folks would be willing to contribute just a tiny, tiny bit uh, on the regular to help us make the show sustainable. 
uh, I don't know exactly what, you know, the thing with Patreon is that uh, if you're a Patreon contributor, there's sort of special benefits that you, you can uh, have access to. I haven't totally figured out what those are going to be just yet. Uh, I have thought about um, putting together just by my lonesome or maybe passing it around to the four of us, uh, little mini episodes that would be pretty short, but would be just for the Patreon folks. Um, another thing I've thought about doing is, uh, pertains to the next update I have. And the next update I have is, uh, I, we, Ryan and I got a very kind email from a, an old friend of ours from Marquette, uh, who was complimentary of the show, which we really appreciated, uh, but teased us in, in the postscript about our definition of old in treasures, old and new. She, she's a historical theologian. And, uh, and I thought, well, fair enough. So. One of the things I want to do is for now, I want to open it up to everybody. If you want to send us uh, a submission for a treasure old and treasure new that you think people should check out with, you know, a paragraph or so description of what each is, you can send that to our, our Gmail, systematicallypodcast at gmail.com. Or, um, you know, you could drop it, I'd probably drop it in the DMs. Uh, at Systematic Pod on Twitter, but Gmail would would be the best move, and uh, we would be more than happy to read those on the show. So if you know if there's stuff that you you'd like to have the signal boost for, um, send them in, and we'll take a look at them, and we'll, we'll we'll pick one and and try and read them on the show. So this is the idea I had for a Patreon thing, Ryan. Is uh, if we do get some Patreon contributors, supporters, what have you. Um, systematicians, let's call our Patreon supporters. Uh, if we get some of them, I'm a nerd, I know. Um, that, that would be a pool that if you, uh, if you wanted to be sort of top of the heap for Treasures Old and New, or if we get a lot of people, uh, we might just close it so that the only way to get your Treasures Old and New on the show is to become a supporter. Um, again, we'll see. This is all new. We're just trying stuff out. Um, but that's the idea there. So for now, though, Treasures Old and New, we're taking submissions. Send us an email. Signal boost some, some old and new books you like. And we'll read them on the show. Uh, I think that's all the, the business. One more time, it's, it's patreon.com slash systematically. I'll put it up on the, on the Twitters. Um, you got any other updates? All right, guys. Not, not, <clears throat> not business-related ones. No. <laughs> uh, I, I, I hear a, a, little, a little catch in your voice there. H- how are you feeling? I think, it's, I think there's some voice in my catch. I think oh, it's yeah? more accurate way. It's, I've, I've been under the weather for nearly two weeks now. That was, uh, that was how my household spent the entirety of our Christmas break. Uh, I got sick. Then Oscar got sick. Then Annie got sick. Josephine stayed out of it for a while, but my poor parents came and visited us for for Christmas and mostly just nursed, <laughs> just nursed us. Um, you know, which we, we uh, wasn't a lot of fun. We managed to get through the new year, uh, mostly healthy, and then like clockwork. Uh, you know, the day the, on January 2nd, effectively, everyone got sick and has remained so. Uh, oh, so joy, it's, joy. Uh, it's not great. No, not that much fun. 
Yeah, we, we although like, I, I will say when you're when you're when you're parenting a sick child and you're healthy, you feel you only kind of feel at least for me because I'm a bad person. Like I, I I know I need to take care of you and stuff, but I also don't want to get what you got. Yeah. So you know, I, you you approach it very gingerly, but uh, when everyone's sick, you can you feel like okay, I'm diving right in. Yeah. Uh, I'm really caring for this this sick child because all, uh well i already all, got what she's got so that's all load up on on the couch and yeah tough it out together yeah. no been there my poor my poor boy got so he got the cold and the cold we discovered uh came with a thing i've never had before which is a cold that comes with ear congestion um so poor kid immediately got double ear infections oh. so, we, <laughs> so we put him on the amoxicillin and, you know, he goes through most of the course of amoxicillin and then he comes home from Annie and I are still sick. So his grandparents took him to like his cousin's birthday party and he comes home and he's itchy and his knees are swollen and painful and he can like hardly walk. Like, what is like, what is happening? What's going on? Did he eat something weird at the birthday party or whatever? So we, I take him to the doctor immediately the next morning and the doctor's like, yeah, we're pretty sure that he's having a reaction to the amoxicillin. <laughs> So there wow. was just, just no end of it for the poor little guy. And of course, we all get mostly healthy. And uh, I'm looking at my daughter and she's starting to get the runny nose. I'm like, oh no, she's getting it. And then she immediately gets whatever like weird, uh, not conjunctivitis, but like um, tear duct bacterial infection is going around with her toddler classroom. And then you're just looking at each other like, it never ends. It's never going to end. It's never ending. This is our life now. We're doing this forever eye drops and amoxicillin, but then Benadryl forever. Uh, so anyway, you, guys, you guys live where people still go outside. Yeah, it's true. It's true, we do. So there's a, a thing here called cedar fever. Okay. Which is, just, uh, which is a silly name for just cedar allergies. Um, Got it. But, you know, apparently like, uh, you know, the, the parts per million on a bad day, it'll be like 475, 675 or something. Uh, and the weekend before Christmas, uh, it was like 2,300, 3,700. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and so, of course, like it's allergies on top of all of it. Yeah, it was a blast. We had a good time. Anyway, Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, yeah, same fun. to you. <laughs> and of course, Robin's not Thanks. here because now she's got the plague of some kind. Um, yeah, but and she's and sick I, for two. So. Yeah, she is sick for two. Yeah, she's 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 making a human person and also making a dissertation, uh, which is seems like too much. That seems like too many things. <laughs> I'm I'm I have a hard time making a dissertation and making lunch for myself every day. So I don't know how she does it. That's plugging Either. along though. That's plugging along. I'm kind of I'm I'm uh, I'm getting into this last chapter. Um, I'm, 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 I'm trying to, uh, argue about the natural desire to know God, uh, as little as humanly possible. Um, that's, that's wise. Yeah. I'm mostly succeeding. We'll see how it goes. Well, good. Um, what have you, have you managed to, to do any work in the, in the, I've managed to squander every opportunity to do work either by, uh, being too sick to function or by taking care of other people who are too sick oh, to function. Yeah. Well, fair enough. 
uh, it, it was pretty disappointing uh, to lose so many would-be workdays to uh, utterly unproductive uh, health conditions. What's the what's the question you're working on right now? Oh, I am trying to turn a bunch of notes on the development of the theorem of the supernatural uh, in the 12th and 13th century into prose. Mm. Uh, the notes are all done and have been for a couple of weeks, but um, rendering that readable is uh, proving to be a both very boring and therefore very difficult task. Boy, I, I know that struggle. I'm all too familiar. But then I get to do some actual conceptual work, which will be uh, a welcome reprieve from pretending I know anything about the 12th century. <laughs> right on. Um, all right. Well, why don't we, uh, I can't think of anything else I wanted to do catch up on. So um, let's jump into the dialectic of authority. If you grab Lonergan's uh, a third collection, it is the very first essay. It's right in front. Um, and it is uh, not very long. Let's see, what is it? Is it like all of six and a half pages? Six pages? Six and a half pages? Um, so you can, you can get through it in not very long. As I think I mentioned before, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit dense in terse in places, but we'll see if we can. Um, help uh, help with your hermeneutic circle here a little um brian you helpfully when we were prepping this in slack passed around a, a kind of brief little outline um of the argument so do you mind kind of giving the um giving a view to the whole for us yeah so the 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 essay itself was uh, originally written for a book called authority um it was a you know an edited volume or whatever and uh so as lonergan does in a lot of essays the uh the topics were sort of assigned to him uh for various uh occasions and reasons and then he would do a kind of uniquely lonergan take on on a on the assigned theme and so in this one he really is trying to consider um authority in terms of a dialectic between uh, uh power and legitimacy really um so uh, how how can how can you conceive of authority as um the dynamic relationship between power and legitimacy um and because it's Lonergan he goes through and defines every term and defines every relation that obtains between the terms and so uh he he breaks down this dialectic between power and, and legitimacy um, by defining all the terms with reference to to each other, so he says authority, the sort of main topic, is uh, legitimate power, right? So it's a it's a particular conception of power. It's it's what power is when power has legitimacy. Uh, so what is power? Well, power he he sees as the result of communal cooperation when people either in the past and in the present uh cooperate the result of that cooperation is uh is power and so you can you can think of that in terms of of 
power as it's exercised within institutions, but you can also think of that in terms of institutions themselves, right? Uh, civilization, uh, all, all of the uh, all the things that build up communally over time uh, as the the sort of um, achievements of the past are brought forward into the present. There's a there's a cumulative weight uh, that accrues to that. And that's that's what he considers power to be the sort of past cooperation that yields a kind of ongoing result within a within a social or cultural or civilizational set of circumstances. So <clears throat> power accrues over time through this this cooperation, um, but that cooperation is also occurring sort of at any given moment within a civilization or within a within a community. Um, now, community itself is what carries that power along through time. So, uh, how how is power or the the um, past cooperation brought forward into the present? It's brought forward through community, uh, through the meanings and values of a community. So, communities themselves. Uh, in, in as much as they possess that power by carrying along from the past to the present, they entrust that power, right? There's a, they, they delegate and designate that power um, to people within the community. And we call those persons to whom power is entrusted authorities. So we have a distinction there between authority as, as legitimate power and authorities as uh, particular persons to whom or particular entities or institutions to whom the community entrusts the power that it's carrying along. Um, now, legitimacy then uh, is, is measured by the authenticity or inauthenticity of the meanings and values that the community carries forward and entrusts in, in authorities. Um, and so it's, it's, it comes back to the, the sort of underlying dialectic of authenticity and inauthenticity um, as the criteria by which you evaluate the legitimacy of the authority that uh, is being exercised as power is carried along from the past to the present um, through community. So that's, that's kind of the, the um, overarching uh, view that Lonergan's trying to put forward in the essay. But actually doing an analysis of that, uh, those dynamics in any given set of circumstances, like pretty difficult, right? Not only are there a bunch of variables at play, but um, the variables are actually in the, in the flow of things really difficult to isolate one from another. And so, you know, you're, you're going to get diagnoses that um, are going to be largely inconclusive. Um, and so Lonergan proposes that you if you're going to do an analysis of the dialectic authority, it's best to do it synthetically rather than analytically. And when you're doing it synthetically, you judge the authenticity of authority by, by its fruits. Right? So you judge it by the collective progress or the collective decline that um, follows over time from within a, a, a particular structure of authority. So um, do you see progress uh, either in the short or the long term uh, as issuing forth from a, uh, the exercise of authority in a particular set of circumstances? 
or do you see collective decline? And if you see progress, you have, you have at least the beginnings of an indication that the authority in question is legitimate, uh, that the power being exercised there is legitimate. And conversely, if you see collective decline uh, in, in the fruits of, of an institution, of the fruits of, of an individual authority, you most likely are, are um, seeing that power being exercised in an illegitimate way. And so, uh, thereby, an illegitimate authority. So that's the kind of structural um, analysis that's being put forward in in the essay. Right. And so you can you can sort of think of the um, the the death spiral of authoritarian uh, of authoritarian exactly. states, right, where ever more arbitrary uses of power are exercised to keep the state from failing, and thus the authorities being divested of their power. Um, but also the ever more arbitrary use of authority destabilizes. Um, yeah, and this is place. and this is like a, a bit of, of um, a sort of feature of a lot of political analysis of the 20th century that I think oftentimes kind of gets gets lost is um, the move to to totalitarian states are the arguments are often ones of efficiency, right? Uh, the 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 complexities of the demo, of democratic bureaucracy are such that um, nothing gets done, and things are hugely inefficient, and society uh, is crumbling due to its its um, own sort of Byzantine complexity. Uh, and so, if we can just consolidate all of that complexity into a single figure or a single party or whatever, uh, we'll have a far far fairer, far more uh, efficient. Uh, exercise of power, um, but in it like turns the, out in the literal sense true. of efficiency, right? In, 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 <laughs> exactly. in, in the literal sense of efficiency, we'll just like do more things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we even, in our kind of ima- imagination or memory of of twentieth century totalitarianism, still kind of associate uh, you know the that that kind of efficiency with those totalitarian states, but. Uh, those kinds of political arrangements, because they are illegitimate exercises of authority, um, create the conditions for their own their own crumbling, for their own demise. And not only do they create the conditions, but they kind of relentlessly pursue them in the way that you're talking about. They they uh, incentivize the kind of compounding application of illegitimate uses of power uh, each time, sort of death by a thousand cuts. Um, eroding the political and civilizational foundation that they're built on. Right. Um, There's something interesting that that sort of occurs to me there too, that um, the, that if one, um, if one has a, uh, so in, in another essay that will, will no doubt feature uh, some other time in in another essay called dimensions of meaning, Lonergan talks about the transition from um, a, a an ancient uh, broadly aristotelian sort of classical model of science where um what the theoretician does is discern the the in the cosmos the necessary from the contingent and then reduce the contingent to the necessary and then elucidate the the sort of um hierarchy of nested principles within the necessary um and so there's a there there can be a kind of uh reduction um to uh to simplicity in the technical sense of simplicity 
um, that things can be sort of worked all the way down to their central organizing principle, nature, or what have you. Um, and that, uh, and he contrasts this with, with a modern notion of science in which um, the, the division is not between the, con- the contingent and the necessary so much as uh, what you're trying to work out are uh, what are the possibility, what are the sort of formal possibilities that in fact have come to be the case. Uh, and in order to do that, you can't bracket out the data on the contingent to focus on the necessary. You have to explain all of the data because you have to explain what has in fact become the case uh, in every instance. Uh, and, and the formal possibilities then become ideal types for um, the sorts of things you expect to become the case, but it's governed ultimately by by probabilities. Um, and so too then in... Uh, political science, and to use a term we don't really use, but sort of cultural science, or if, if you want a kind of cultural sciencia, um, if, you're, if you're running around with this classical, uh, antique, broadly Aristotelian ideal of what science is, uh, it seems it, like in principle you should be able to um, reduce the exercise of legitimate power, of authority, in precisely the sort of uh, centralized authoritarian way, um, that that the diffusion of decision-making process one finds in like a democratic society or a republic or something um, is a kind of uh, uh, is, is a philosoph- is almost a philosophical mistake in that you're becoming preoccupied with the contingent, uh, and the reason it becomes such a tangled mess is because you are. Uh, obtuse to the necessary underlying organizing principles that should be attended to and, uh, you know, decisions deduced from and so forth. And so what you need are uh, philosopher kings. You need, um, you need ruling elites who have the training in the formation and stuff in order to be able to discern the necessary from the contingent and make decisions in light of the necessary principles. Um, whereas if you have an empirical view of culture, uh, the, the task of discerning what is actually going on, right? Lonergan works the authenticity here out in terms of the transcendental precepts that he elucidates in Method and Theology, right? Be attentive, be intelligent, be reasonable, be responsible. He talks about um, love as a, as a principle here too in terms of distinguishing redemption from uh, progress and decline. And we can maybe talk about that later. Um, but the task of like being attentive to and asking all the relevant questions about and trying to generate some some like helpful insights uh, unto true judgments and responsible decisions is just like too big for uh, a, a creative minority to do in isolation. It's, just, it's not a deductive process. It can't be simplified in the way that an antique ideal of, of, of science, in this case, political science, would lead you to think maybe it could be. Um, well, and, and, and in fact, uh, if you're still operating with, with the um, sort of Aristotelian ideal there, uh, it's going to incentivize you not to pay attention to the data that you really need to pay attention to to have a, a grasp of, of the situation. Because um, you're, you're absconding from the, the, the concreteness of the data as you have them to the kind of um, residue of of the the necessary that sort of lies at at the bottom 
uh, and so you're you're not going to pay attention to um, the, the the mutable uh, data that you find uh, around you. But in fact, in political life, the, that's where the meaning of the of the politic lies. Uh, and so you're 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 not you're not just going to be insufficient to the task, but you're going to um, you're going to have um, uh, kind of a motivated reasoning not to even uh, attend to the task at all. And ultimately, you're going to cut your your legs out from under you because you're going to have cut yourself off from the the concrete, but also contingent shared meanings and values that make up the community that const that that is the carrier of the very power you wield. Yeah, uh, and so you know, eventually, um, they storm the Bastille. Uh, <laughs> so I, that's a good entree, and maybe we can spell out why. To, there's a there's a paragraph on page six in the collected works version of this, um, where he he sort of spells out what the what the dialectic is, and he ends with a, a reference to what he calls the sin of backwardness, and that, that's what I want to focus focus on. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the whole paragraph, and I'll try and do it slowly enough that those of you uh, listening in the car can can follow. Dialectic has to do with the concrete the dynamic, the contradictory. Cooperation, power, and authority have to do with the concrete and the dynamic. Authenticity and unauthenticity add a pair of contradictories. A resulting dialectic, excuse me, the resulting dialectic is extremely complicated. Authenticity and unauthenticity are found in three different carriers. One, in the community. Two, in the individuals that are authorities. And three, in the individuals that are subject to authority. Again, authenticity is realized by a single act of inattention, obtuseness, unreasonableness, irresponsibility. But authenticity is reached only by long and sustained fidelity to the transcendental precepts. And again, here he means be attentive, be intelligent, be reasonable, be responsible. It exists only, authenticity that is, as a cumulative product. More, uh, moreover, authenticity in, man, in a man or a woman is ever precarious. Our attentiveness is ever apt to be a withdrawal from inattention. Our acts of understanding, a correction of our oversights. Our responsibleness, a victory over silliness. Our responsibility, a repentance for our sins. To be ever attentive, intelligent, reasonable, responsible is to live totally in the world mediated by meaning and motivated by values. Man also lives in a world of immediacy. And while the world of immediacy can be incorporated in the world mediated by meaning and motivated by values, still, that incorporation is never secure. Finally, what is authentic for a lesser differentiation of consciousness, and I want to come back and talk about what that means in a second, but what is authentic for a lesser differentiation of consciousness will be found unauthentic by standards of a greater differentiation. So then, there is a sin of backwardness of the cultures, the authorities, the individuals that fail to live on the level of their times. The complex, I'm going to read one more little bit. The complexity of the dialectic of authority underscores what experience has long made quite plain. Inquiry into the legitimacy of authority or authorities is complex, lengthy, tedious, and often inconclusive, which you talked about before, Ryan. But I, I specifically want to uh, try to unpack a little bit these two sentences at the end of that paragraph. 
Finally, what is authentic for a lesser differentiation of consciousness will be found unauthentic by the standards of a greater differentiation. So there is a sin of backwardness of the cultures, authorities, and individuals that fail to live on the level of their time. So what then do we mean by lesser and greater differentiations of consciousness? In this case, part of what we, part of what we mean are um, ways in which human beings have come to relate to the fact that meaning mediates and constitutes our world. Um, and so the, the great achievement, as Ryan and I have talked about before on our, our episode where we talked about systematic and speculative theology, the achievement of, of the sort of broadly Aristotelian move to, to theory is to, to recognize that in the true definition and in the methodical coordination of definitions, um, in the recognition of certain kinds of parallels between uh, logical inference and metaphysical dependency, that the real can be mediated in our meanings to our conscious understanding. And so too then, in, in a kind of extension of that analysis to our willing, that um, the good can also be mediated by meaning and so be, can become the object of our deliberations and our deliberations can be uh, governed, though not entirely determined, again, by um, certain uh, logical heuristics for the procedure of reasoning. And that's a real achievement. Um, and it's a differentiation of consciousness in the sense that um, that refined and so thus narrowed um, but, but still refined way of using meaning to navigate our world is set apart, is set in distinction from the sort of common sense way in which uh, Athenians and others meant words like courage and virtue and so on. And so it's a differentiation of consciousness in that it's a kind of um, specialization, we might say, of conscious acts of questioning and answering and meaning making and making judgments and deliberations and so forth. Um, but what I was trying to hint at before about the way in which um, an ancient uh, Aristotelian ideal of science is going to um, lead one astray in, a modern, in the sort of realm of modern political science um, is, I think, an example of what Lonergan's talking about by what would be authentic in a lesser differentiation of consciousness is then unauthentic in the horizon set out by a greater differentiation of consciousness. Um, so what, so why then is this sort of subsequent modern ideal of science, a greater differentiation of consciousness? Um, well, for one, you know, for my money, it's a lot clearer about the way in which when, especially when we're talking about authority and power and, um, the social and the, the, um, the communal, the way in which these things are uh, not just mediated by meaning and the controls of meaning, but also constituted by meaning. Um, and as a result, which is just to say that, that they are made up of the meanings that people make. Um, and as a result, then, you know, uh, through, uh, I mean, 
a really complicated historical process. It's become very clear that there is not one culture into which one, into which one becomes cultured, but there's lots of cultures. And those cultures are different because the communities that generated them are different and made different meanings and so forth. Um, Ryan, maybe you can help me out with, um, so, then, so then when we say that, that these are lesser and greater, what do we mean by lesser and greater there? Well, I mean, you, you can sort of take it literally uh, in terms of um, a kind of image or analogy of um, size. Because the, the greater differentiations are not, um, you know, Lonergan will sometimes say, uh, he'll talk about the world of immediacy and the world mediated by meaning. And you get the sense that, well, these are two distinct separate worlds, you know, it's, it's earth and Mars. Um, but, but um, really the relationship is one of, of uh, dilation, right? It's one of enrichment and expanse. And so uh, what, what the move to theory in, uh, in the axial age achieved was not that it um, created a new world to replace the old one, but it discovered in theory a, a, a whole, um, whole realm of possible meanings that were simply um, not on the horizon of men and women of the age prior to that. Um, and so the, the world of immediacy becomes vastly more populated by meaning with the discovery of theory. So too then the uh, transition from the what what Carl Jaspers famously calls the axial age um, to the the sort of for lack of a better term the kind of modern age the modern notion of science the modern notion of culture the modern notion of philosophy theology etc um, is that there's another subsequent dilation to theory. Right there, there's a, a further expansiveness of the range of possible meanings that can be known in the human world. So, be, it it doesn't replace theory any more than theory replaces common sense. But the the sort of underlying social dynamics are actually very similar. So, in the ways the way in which um, the, the theoretician, the philosopher, even the dialectician of the ancient world um, is sort of set in distinction from the everyday Athenian. So too, the, the sort of modern person who's made this transition from, uh, from theory to interiority, however, you, or to method, or however you want to talk about this modern differentiation. Language even sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, their relationship to the theoretician is analogous to the theoretician's relationship to the man of common sense. So the, 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 the philosopher, the theoretician, may have in their own time been hugely authentic uh, in their exercise of authority in as much as they... Uh, made possible this great expanse in the the world mediated by meaning 
But in as much as those same theoreticians and those same philosophers refuse to live in the world that is now, refuse to live in a world that's actually vaster, still more populated with meaning than the world of theory could could recognize. They are being inauthentic. They're being uh, backward, to use Lonergan's term, uh, in as much as they're re- refusing to uh, attend to, to subsequently discovered horizons of meaning. Uh, and so uh, you can talk about the differentiation of consciousness there in terms of greater and lesser, uh, almost in literal terms of the, the, the amount of meaning that is available and knowable and discoverable within a, a, a given age, within a given uh, moment of cultural development or decline uh, at, at a given moment uh, in history. Mm. Um, and so then, so then I think, right, the next question then is, so this backwardness, why is it a sin? Um, right, so uh, particular, so I mean, if, if theory is carried forward in um, the sort of uh, age, or if you want to use that language of, of the mediation of me, uh, of sort of the full recognition of the mediation of meaning according to a modern ideal of science and, and so forth, uh, analogous to the way common sense is carried forward into the world of the, the, of the ancient theoretician. Um, the, the sort of person of, of ancient science, uh, then, then why is sort of r- remaining at a particular stage of the control of meaning, um, why would that be a sin? Right? Why, 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 uh, why you know, why, um, if, there, if, if there's a kind of extent legitimacy to the broadly Aristotelian or axial age achievement, of this kind of theoretical control of meaning, um, shouldn't that achievement then be perennial? And so fidelity to it, uh, sort of permanently uh, legitimate. I mean, that, that's, that's certainly what the, <laughs> the, the, uh, the modern theoretician uh, wants, wants to argue, right? Yeah. Um, but the, 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 for, for the, kind of analysis that Lonergan's doing in the essay, right? The, the, the criteria are set up by the, the pair of, of contradictories between authenticity and inauthenticity. Whereas you said, authenticity is fidelity to the transcendental precepts. And so the, the measure of the authentic exercise of authority at any time is always going to be, are you, in fact, being uh, intelligent or being attentive rather than inattentive and intel- intelligent rather than, uh, you know, obtuse, so on and so forth. Um, and so to kind of reach a particular stage of the control of meaning and stop mm-hmm. um, is to almost by definition not be attentive to further relevant questions. Um, it's to uh, close off the uh the light of age and intellect that shines uh ever more within us and to refuse uh questions that would lead to new insights uh provoke new judgments uh and 
set up the conditions for having to make new uh, judgment, new new uh, decisions. So um, it's not that uh, the the new invalidates the old by dilation, but that it relativizes its priority. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so the 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 question is uh, of, of control of meaning is really the question of what is what is the kind of um, focal point of uh, of the control of meaning of of the the stage of meaning that you're in. Um, and so, and, and it's it's worth saying here, control of meaning in this case um, doesn't doesn't mean a kind of totalizing mastery of meaning. It's it has to do with um, techniques of inquiry. How do yeah, you, exactly. how do you how do you control for the place of meanings in your technique of inquiry? Um, that that turn of yep. phrase I could set off people's terminological allergies, so I just want to put a flag in it. So, um, so yeah. So if you're if you're uh, as he also says in um, in a few other essays from this period, if you're determined to live in a world that no longer exists. Um, you're you're guilty of the sin of backwardness because right. you're being inauthentic with respect to the exercise of your authority because you're being inattentive, unintelligent, unreasonable, and ultimately irresponsible. Which is not, uh, again, is not an invalidation or an indictment of the achievements of a previous stage of differentiation, um, but simply to say that those achievements themselves, if are, are not fully adequate to the the questions of meaning that um, uh, arise when one is actually paying attention uh, to one's own time and one's own age. Yeah, even though it may mean that to take full stock, depending on your your cultural <clears throat> location, to take full stock of the circumstances you are concretely in might mean appropriating those prior achievements. Right, you, oh, you may, without a doubt. Right, you you might have to you might have to to go back and go. Okay, how did we get here? What's kind of operative? What can we glean? Um, right, you don't want to have to ask and answer those questions all over again. Um, but and I think also, you know, one of the other reasons it just occurred to me that I like this essay is that working in the background is um, one of my sort of Lonerganian hobby horses which is the uh, insight definition of group bias as opposed to the, the sort of more terse and I think a little bit thinned out definition of group bias in method and theology. Um, because in, in the background here, there is, the, it, it, as pertains to the sin of backwardness, I think there can just be the kind of blunt obtuseness of just not wanting to do the work or something, not being willing to ask the questions. But I think the unwillingness can be motivated, and it can be motivated precisely by, and I, you know, within a within a Roman Catholic context, it's not too hard to figure out who I'm alluding to here, or at least what conversations I'm alluding to. Um, but that the um, that the the technique, the sort of discovery of the the ancient ideal of science. Um, is caught up with the fellow feeling that constitutes the community, right? It's, it is yeah. itself one of the meanings and its, and its value is one of the values that constitutes the identity of the community. And if um, current circumstances call forth the transformation of those techniques, that can be felt as a threat to the fellow feeling constitu- partially constitutive of the community. And so if we let go of this, well, then who are we anymore? At least insofar as we are 
um, the carriers of an intellectual tradition. Um, and so, yeah, and, and, and so the, the, and so it can also be then, right? Because the, the power that authorities are endowed with is carried by the community, a threat to the community then in that form of, oh no, we're going to have to change part of our constitutive meanings and values to meet our contemporary circumstances, um, is then by extension a threat to the authorities and their power. Um, yeah. And so, and so, and so, a, a felt threat not just to the identity of the community, but to the validity of the institutions, the legitimacy of the authority being exercised, and so on, and so on. Um, and it seems to me that the 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 difficult but the but hopeful challenge posed by Lonergan here is um, you don't have to be afraid, <laughs> right? Your community can have uh, and develop new insights and orient itself to new and needful values and remain who you are. Um, yeah. You, you, yeah. The, the, the transformation of those things um, because of, and he doesn't, interestingly, he doesn't really quite get into the, the sort of uh, constitutive dynamics of tradition, but I think precisely because of the structure of the way in which tradition operates historically, um, you can face together the new questions and the new decisions that are posed together uh, and maintain the continuity of identity, even as there are uh, enrichments and enlargements and transformations of the, the, both the intellectual exercise that we've been focusing on, but also the, the um, political science, the, the, the political theory uh, that's, that's at the bottom um, of the sort of allocation of power uh, and legitimate power, especially with, within the community. Um, that's obviously a kind of cold theoretical expression of hope against a rather hot, uh, and, um, uh, uh, you know, and, and more or less sort of common sense fear. Um, but then that's sort of why I got into this in the first place. Cause I, <laughs> cause common sense responses to my common sense fears weren't very reassuring. <laughs> well, and, th- and that's, that's, that's actually a, a, a good point though, because the, um, the, the, the means by which or the occasions under which one makes these discoveries to the, the further differentiations are as responses to problems that are set up under the prior differentiation. Right. So, you know, the discovery of, of mind, as Bruno Snell calls it, um, is a, the discovery of theory is a response to real common sense problems that common sense is simply inadequate to resolve and so too uh the 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 modern differentiation of consciousness is a response to it's a discovery that is in part made possible by problems that accrue within the the sort of purely theoretical stage of meaning and control of meaning um, and so it, it is, it isn't a rejection of that prior stage. It's, it's, it's sort of interior completion in as much as it resolves, um, aporias and difficulties that, uh, that, that arise and accumulate, um, uh, under, under the prior differentiation. Right. It's, it's, it's not just a historical accident that, um, sort of modern ideal of science had its sort of first birth uh among late medieval scholastics right? yeah right exactly yeah 
Well, that's probably as, as good a place as any to stop. Um, thanks, Ryan, for doing that, even though you're not, you're not fe- feeling real well. Um, I hope the both of us get over this uh, unending congestion. Um, all right. So if you, if you have thoughts about this or there's stuff you want us to talk about in the future or Lonergan essays you'd like us to discuss or people you want us to have on the show or if you want to be on the show and you're a really good self-promoter, you can tweet at us at SystematicPod on Twitter. Um, or you can send us an email, systematicallypodcast at gmail.com. If you want to suggest a treasure old and a treasure new with a little blurb about each of them, send it preferably to systematicallypodcast at gmail.com. But you could probably drop it in the DMs uh, of at systematicpod on Twitter. Um, go check out our Patreon um, I know, I know there's a lot of grad students listening and you don't have a lot of extra money. So like, do not at all feel guilted. We're going to keep doing this, uh, one way or the other, but, but if you have some means to, to help us out on a regular basis, um, it would, it would, like I said, make the show more sustainable, help us keep doing this well into the future. Um, patreon.com slash systematically. And I promise I will conjure special things for you systematicians who help support the show. Um, finally, uh, he's not here today, but, uh, I never say thank you enough to Brian Baycheck for doing the work of uh, doing our audio editing and sort of engineering and stuff and posting the shows and putting together show notes. So thank you, Brian, uh, for the work you do on that. Robin, we miss you. We'll hopefully see you next week. Our intro and outro music, as always, is track 14 off of Ghost 2 by Nine Inch Nails. And um, as you head into this new year and new semesters, many of you, remember authenticity begins with attention. So go out there and... Be attentive. Thanks, y'all. Bye.